And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. Coming up on the show, we are going to update you on the NEC championship picture. We'll go over the top performances from the past week. We're going to welcome in a very special guest today. We're going to chat with Merrimack, kick returner, wide receiver, running back, Mr. All-Purpose, Agent Zero, whatever you want to call him. Donovan Wadley will be here. Uh, And then we'll also set you up for what could be a championship Saturday coming up this weekend. So we will get all that squared away over the course of the show. But let's get right to it. It's time to get things started with our headlines. It's the pick six. And we start in Staten Island as the Wagner Seahawks hosted the unbeaten in-conference play Duquesne Dukes last Saturday. Duquesne was in a position where they could clinch a share of the regular season championship here in 2023 with a win and with a win that also go to a program best five and O in NEC play. Well, Wagner, they needed to win this game to stay alive in the race for the NEC regular season championship for themselves. So to the game after a scoreless first quarter, Duquesne got on the board with a pair of touchdowns in the second Darius Parentes connected with Teddy awful for a 45 yard touchdown pass. A beautiful touchdown pass deep downfield. And later on, Edward Robinson ran it in from three yards out to cap off a 12-play, 91-yard, six-and-a-half-minute drive to give the Dukes a 14-0 lead. But then, and this was key, with seconds left in the first half, Wagner punched it in on a third-and-two with 13 seconds to spare. Ricky Sproul, a two-yard touchdown run, leaping up and over the pile, The extra point was blocked, though, but Duquesne led 14-6 to at the half. It was an impressive two-minute drill drive for Wagner, a drive that started at their own 33-yard line, and they were moving so quickly up the field, they did not have a third down on that drive until that third and two touchdown run from two yards out. So big score for Wagner right before the half, and then they got the ball coming out of the half. So they were looking for the little double dip right there. And they got it coming out of the locker room to start the second half. Wagner had the possession. Ricky Sproul and Steven Krajewski, the quarterback, they marched the troops downfield. Seven plays, 73 yards in three minutes, 29 seconds. Krajewski completed a 19-yard touchdown to Sproul to cap it all off. Duquesne's lead was down to 1, 14-13. And going back, it was a well-designed play. Sproul was lined up to the right of the quarterback who was in the shotgun. Kajewski took the snap, rolled right while Kajewski ran past it. Well, uh, Sproul uh, ran past him and, and ran to the left and down the sideline. Kajewski found him wide open for the 19-yard score. And again, Wagner was within one. Later in the third, Wagner running back Zachary Palmer Smith took the handoff out of a pistol formation and just burst straight through the line, 66 yards straight up the gut for the touchdown. And Wagner was in front going into the fourth quarter, 20 to 14, just like we all predicted, right? Well, early fourth quarter. We had a game-changing sequence. Duquesne retook the lead with an Edward Robinson 11-yard touchdown run, and then five plays into Wagner's ensuing possession. Krajewski was intercepted, picked off by Katavian Franks. It was a pass that was deflected off the hands of his own receiver, Benelli, into the hands of Franks, who ran it back 31 yards the other end to the end zone, a pick six. It was a game-changing play and in some ways a back-breaking play. Wagner would get a touchdown in the final two minutes to get within two, but their two-point try did not go, and Duquesne held on 
on the road, winning it 34 to 26. They would get a fumble return touchdown as well as time expired as Wagner was trying to make a, a last gasp effort with all the hooks and ladders and laterals and bands on the field and all that. So, uh, I'll, last second fumble return touchdown for Duquesne. Uh, but again, it was a close game. One that they just pulled out right at the very end, 34 to 26, the final. So with the Dukes, win, they go to six and three overall, they're 500 or better for a 28th time in 31 FCS seasons. Duquesne's win also clinches a share of the NEC title here in 2023. They're sixth since joining the league in 2008. Duquesne is one win or one Merrimack loss away from earning the outright championship and the automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. Duquesne quarterback Darius Prentice was 12 for 26 passing, 248 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He's now thrown for 200 yards in four straight games, all five conference games, and his passing touchdown in this one extended his league lead to now 17 on the season. Now, headline number two, with the NEC title and a potential FCS playoff bid possibly being wrapped up as soon as this week, the breaking news is that our NEC TV cameras will be there. It'll be Stonehill at Duquesne, and that has been named our 2023 NEC TV wild card broadcast. It'll be 12 noon ESPN Plus, and we'll have more on that game coming up later in the show. Let's go to story number three up in Loretto, the reigning and defending NEC champion, the St. Francis Red Flash. We're welcoming in the LIU Sharks and St. Francis has never lost to the LIU Sharks. We talked about it last week, 30 to nothing, 55 to 10. And even last year, 55 to seven. Those were the final scores the last three times these teams got together. So surely this would be absolutely no problem for St. Francis. Freshman Nick Whitfield, who was our top star last week, was once again QB1 with Cole Doyle out in the first quarter after a Will Lynch punt down the ball at the one-yard line for the SFU offense to take over. The freshman led the flash 12 plays. 99 yards in 6 minutes, 45 seconds, capped it off with an 8-yard touchdown pass to Jake Bruno, and the flash were up in a flash 7 to nothing. Teams would then trade blows in the second quarter. Owen Glasgow had a two-yard touchdown run for LIU to put the Sharks in front 10-7. And then DeAndre Scott would answer right back, a one-yard touchdown of his own. So St. Francis in control, 14-10 at intermission. St. Francis led 21-17 following an Owen Glasgow 30-yard touchdown reception from Chris Howell to cut the deficit to four. But now we're going to the fourth quarter. Here comes fourth quarter, St. Francis, right? They, they, they've dominated the fourth quarter. Big comeback wins their last two times out. So this time they're going into the fourth quarter with the lead. So uh, the Red Flash have to be licking their chops here. And they got things started a minute and 15 seconds into the fourth quarter. Mason Imp had a one-yard touchdown run. St. Francis extends their lead to 28-17. So you got a fourth quarter lead for a fourth quarter team. At home against a team that they've pretty much had in check each of the last three times they've met, nothing could possibly go wrong, right? Well, 7.22 to play, fourth quarter. LIU takes over at midfield following a short punt. They go no huddle. Eventually, they had third and six at the St. Francis 16, and Chris Howell completes one to Devon Wells for a 16-yard touchdown. The two-point try would be no good. 
There was offensive passing interference on it anyway, so it wouldn't have counted. 28-23, five-point red flash lead. But St. Francis then gets the ball. They get off to a great start. Whitfield to Scott for 20 yards, but then you had a two-yard run, another two-yard run, and an incomplete pass. So three plays, and they have to punt. And with the incomplete pass, the clock stopped. So St. Francis had to punt it without that extra time running off the clock. And LIU takes over at their own 22 with just under three minutes to play. So first play, Chris Howell, the pass of his life. He finds Avion Smith-Mack for 72 yards to the St. Francis six-yard line. And it was almost perfect that they didn't get it into the end zone on that 72-yard play because then they got to run three more plays. Take some time off the clock, right? The the more time it takes for you to score, the less time St. Francis would have on the back end to try and go down the field and come back. So they run three plays, shave some time off the clock, and then Owen Glasgow runs it in from one yard out, his third touchdown of the day, the hat trick, and the game winner with 93 seconds remaining, the LIU Sharks circling the waters. They come away with a fourth quarter comeback win against the team that had been the fourth quarter comeback Kings the previous two times out. 29-28, LIU on the road wins it. Now remember last year, the Sharks won their final four games to finish the regular season. This is starting to feel like an instant replay here. They've now won two in a row, but by the slimmest of margins, they won by one point at Central Connecticut State last week, national TV. Then they won by one point at the reigning champion, SFU, this week. LIU starting to get some momentum going, similar to what they did at the end of last year. Howell completed 11 for 17 passes, 172 yards, and he had two touchdowns to lead the Sharks. We now switch gears and go to the Nutmeg State for the Connecticut State Collision, Sacred Heart hosting Central Connecticut. It was Sacred Heart's home finale and also their NEC finale. They're off this week, and then they play non-conference against UConn in the season's final weekend. Sacred Heart took the lead on their opening drive on a Rob McCoy four-yard touchdown run, and they never looked back. The Pioneers would come away with a 31-24 to win, snapping a five-game skid. Sacred Heart, they won the turnover battle. And impressingly enough, they nearly outrushed the NEC's number one rushing offense. Central only had a 10-yard advantage overall in rushing yards for the afternoon, 223-213. to Malik Grant, in his home finale, what great things he's done in a Sacred Heart uniform. 18 carries, 104 yards two touchdowns, an incredible curtain call for him. And while Elijah Howard, his opposite number for Central Connecticut, ran for 14 for 119 and two touchdowns for Central, it was Howard's fourth 100-yard rushing game of the season. It wasn't quite enough as Grant and the Pioneers come away with a much-needed win. Finally, in Massachusetts, the Merrimack Warriors were in non-conference action Against interstate rivals, the UMass Minutemen, Merrimack took a 7-0 lead in the first. Malachi Anthony with a five-yard touchdown run, but after that, it was 31 straight UMass points on the scoreboard. The Minutemen scoring on five of their next nine drives to earn a 31-21 win 
over the Warriors. Merrimack did make it interesting late, starting with a huge spark. Donovan Wadley, our guest coming up in just a few moments, a 95-yard kick return touchdown, his third kick return score of the year. And then LJ Robinson received a 33-yard touchdown pass from wide receiver Jelani Mason to get Merrimack within 10 of the game's final margin. The NEC's leading rusher, Ty Edmonds Jr., was held to his lowest rushing total of the season, just 75 yards rushing, but he still holds on to that lead going into the penultimate week of the season. So finally, we look at the NEC standings, and they still have Duquesne on top as the lone remaining unbeaten, 5-0. First time Duquesne has ever been 5-0 in the NEC. The Dukes have clinched a share of their sixth NEC title, but... In order to go to the FCS playoffs for a third time and first since 2018, they will need to beat Stonehill on Saturday or have Merrimack lose to Central Connecticut. If not, the FCS bid comes down to the final week. Merrimack and LIU right behind Duquesne. Both are three and two. Merrimack plays first place Duquesne next week. So Merrimack needs to beat Central on Saturday, root for Stonehill to knock off the Dukes, which I don't know, rooting for their interstate rival, that might be, that might go against everything they know, but they're going to have to root for Stonehill to knock off the Dukes and then beat Duquesne head-to-head in Massachusetts in the final game, and then it would be the Warriors going to the FCS playoffs in their first year eligible. We could have another winner-take-all finale in Massachusetts for a second straight season. That's if if Stonehill beats uh, Duquesne and Merrimack wins. Now, LIU, they're in a position where they can clinch a share of the NEC title if they went out and Duquesne loses out. However, their FCS hopes are kind of dried up thanks to head-to-head losses to both Duquesne and Merrimack. They would lose the head-to-head tiebreaker in both of those instances. So behind the top three, you have St. Francis and Wagner, both three and three. Stonehill, two and three. Sacred Heart finishes league play in 2023 at two and five. And the Blue Devils stand at one and four. Time now to take a look at our top three stars of the week. And we start with number three, Duquesne Redshirt Jr. linebacker, Katavian Franks. It was the biggest game-changing play of the weekend and possibly the biggest game-changing play in the race for the NEC championship. After Duquesne was trailing in the fourth quarter on the road against Wagner, they regained the lead by just one point, two minutes in, and then five plays after that. Franks picked off the quarterback, Steven Kurjewski. It was a deflection off the receiver right into his waiting arms, and he ran it back 31 yards for a score. So in the span of two and a half minutes, Duquesne went from on the ropes down one to now up eight and on their way to the victory. In addition to the pick six, Franks also had a sack to cement his spot as the number three star this week. At number two, we have Sacred Heart grad senior running back Malik Grant. Tip of the cap to Grant who has been a frequent guest on our show and a frequent member of our top three stars over the last two years. He came back this year for his grad year season, not gone according to plan, not going how he or the pioneers have hoped, but he's still putting up some big performances this week, recording his third 100 yard game of the season, 18 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown and the 18 yard touchdown in the fourth quarter broke a tie that helped lead the pioneers to a seven point win. Grant is one yard shy of 3,300 yards for his career, and he has 27 touchdowns in a Pioneer uniform. And our number one star of the week, it's LIU redshirt senior, our guest from last week, 
tight end Owen Glasgow. Yep, last week's guest is this week's top star in Saturday's upset win over St. Francis. Glasgow had three receptions for 46 yards and a touchdown. He had eight rushes for 15 yards and two touchdowns, which included the game-winning score with a minute 30 left in the fourth quarter. It was a hat trick, a three-touchdown afternoon, and it was interesting because if you remember, last week here on the show, he ranked his favorite duties as a tight end, passing, receiving, blocking, rushing, and fourth and last on the list, his favorite, he picked rushing. Well, maybe if we asked him again this week, his rankings would change after the two rushing scores and the game-winning rushing touchdown at the end. But a big day rushing and a big overall day for Glasgow. His seven overall touchdowns this year are tied for third in the Northeast Conference. And he leads the pack this week as our number one star in the Northeast Conference. And up next here on NEC Football on the Run, it is time for our weekly chat. And today we are joined by the man who is co-leading the entire country with three kick return touchdowns. From the Merrimack Warriors, we welcome in Agent Zero, Donovan Wiley. Donovan, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course, man, anytime. Now, we've seen you, you know, return kicks, run the ball, explosive plays as a receiver. So how, what, what is your position? Can we say you're a playmaker? You do a little bit of everything. I'm an athlete, man. That's what there I do. I play football. <laughs> play football. Everything I put my mind to, I believe I can do it. So I just play football. Anywhere on that field where coach needs me to be, I just go do it for him, you know? Now, can you throw a pass? Can you kick field goals? Throw. Like, what else can you do? I can throw. I, I don't know if I can kick a field goal, but I can throw. <laughs> I, hey, you never know what wrinkles we might see, so you never know. Got to think about mm-hmm. that. Let, right. let, 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 let's go back to this week. 95-yard kick return touchdown against UMass, your third of the season. When you return kicks, once obviously your vision is first on the ball and securing the ball, but once you have that ball secured – what's the first thing you're looking at? Are you looking at the coverage? Are you looking at your teammates blocking? Where do your eyes go? I honestly feel like before I even get the ball, I take a picture of like the kickoff. You know, we know where, where they're going to kick it. We know where they want to place the ball at. So I take a picture. And once I get the ball, I just, honestly, my vision just, my eyes just open up and just get big. And I just see everything. I see everything. I can see where you're coming from. Even if you're not around, I just see it. I just feel it, you know? And, the big part about uh, kick return, though, is just trusting your blocking. Honestly, I just trust my blockers and know where I need to be at at the time, and I just run. Just run. I feel like kick returns are like free throws to me. You know what I'm saying? And then that, That's awesome insight, and it's it's like you, you can't teach that. It's something like you have to have, and you have that, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Now let, let's let's talk about the team. You know, you're still in the race for the NEC championship and the bid to the FCS playoffs. You need to take care of business this week, root like heck for Stonehill, and then beat Duquesne next week. We, we, all, we only yeah, we only worry about ourselves. We ain't, we ain't yeah, yeah, yeah. We just trying to go one and no, finish strong, and just make the best of the season. You know, we we worry about the bigger picture for real. We never worry about another team or another people that we got play in two weeks. We just worry about this week finishing, being relentless, and being physical. So against Central, what it's gonna what is it gonna take to be relentless and and, and finish uh the blue devils? Need, They're a tough challenge. We just need all eleven guys to show up when they out there on that field for real. When when everybody get, show up and it's game time we need everybody to just be there, be prepared to go. 
Let's talk about your running back a little bit, because this week the top two running backs in the league are going head to head. Ty Edmonds Jr. is leading for the rushing title. So, so what do you like? Yeah. What, you, you you get to see him every day. So, what, what do you like about what he's doing this year? Uh, he's great. He's a good runner. He's powerful, shifty, quick. I I I believe he's the best running back in this conference. If you ask me, like I don't I don't really listen to all the politics, everything that be going on, but I I see it firsthand. This guy is a dude. He, he like no other, like you can't really teach, teach a lot of things. One thing you can't teach is shiftiness and quickness. And he's a dog. Like he just got that dog mentality. He's physical and he's just ready to go. He's ready to run the ball. He's just ready. Like you seen UMass game, right? He was, he was ready. He's ready. No. Yeah, absolutely. And again, he's leading right now for the league rushing titles and with two games, maybe three still to go. So we'll see. Um, he, might, so he might take over. He might just have it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to ask about you real quick. So, you know, when, when was it, how was it that you kind of fell in love with the game of football back when you were a kid? Uh, it's kind of part of my like DNA. Uh, my brother, Akron Watley, he played for Iowa. Okay. He was like the first person I ever really seen go, go far with it. And he took it serious. Like growing up, I didn't really get to live with him as much, but going to his high school games and stuff, I got inspired, you know, cause I used to hear like your brothers that do like, you're going to be better than him. But you know how that always is. Everybody say that. But I didn't believe that at the time <laughs> until one day he had came to my game and he had told me, like, you got something special. Like, you just need to keep going and keep putting it out there. Like, the world going to see you soon. And from then, I just took off with it because I just believed and had faith. You know, I see him do it. I believe I could do it. It's and interesting I, what how, how belief can get you, how far it could get you, right? It can get you so far. Absolutely. Was there any other sports that you mentioned you're an athlete? Any other sports that you played? I ran, I ran track. I played basketball. I I ain't mentioned this one to nobody. I did a little hockey when I was young. Really? Like young though, like super young. So I don't really count that, but I, I did, I did a little bit of everything. I did boxing. No. I, I, I bet you excelled at anything you, you, you tried. That's what, that's what, that's what you got to do every time you sign yourself up for something. That'd be great. Awesome. We're, we're going to go to our final five questions here. They're rapid fire. So just give us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. I got you. I got you. All right. Favorite color. Blue. What are you most thankful for? My parents. Great answer. What's your favorite snack or junk food? Reese's. Okay. If your team, if we asked your teammates to describe you using a word or a phrase, what word or phrase do you think they would use to describe you? Star Wars. Say that again. Dog. Okay. All right. There you go. Uh, and the last one, you know, I, I, I called your game a couple weeks ago against uh, Stonehill. And I said on the broadcast, and I said it again here on the show, that if we, you and I raced in a 40-yard dash, you you could spot me 30 yards and you'd still probably beat me. You're that fast. Now, you've never seen me run, but how many yards do, do you think you could spot me where you would still feel pretty confident that you could still beat me? I give you 30. I give you 30. I give you 30. I feel like I can beat you. I feel like I can get there. Oh, no, you you definitely beat all me. It I takes, just want... All it takes is one second, and I'm gone. <laughs> I, I was even thinking maybe 35, but 30, I, you know, I was trying to give myself some credit. So. I'm only going to have five more yards left. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, you you are fast, so, I mean, people can't blink, Thank and you. they'll meet you go by. So it's, it's a lot of fun to watch you play. We look forward to watching you and your team play coming up uh, the rest of the season. Hey, man, appreciate you. Thank you for having me.
and we're going to finish off strong. You know, we're going to do it for the community. We're, we're looking forward to it. That's Donovan Wadley. And be sure to check out him and the Warriors taking on Central Connecticut Saturday at noon, ESPN, our NEC front row. And be sure to check out the full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC Overtime Pod, available wherever you get your podcasts. We thank Donovan Wadley for joining us here on the show this week. And it's a perfect segue to this week's stat chat where we're going to look at kick return touchdowns. Wadley, as we know, has three kick return touchdowns this year, which is tied for the top spot in the entire nation with NCANT's Tamon Cook. Cook is slightly edging Wadley for the kick return average leader, 38.6 to 38.3. But Wadley is also tied for another top mark. Since 1998, the NEC record for most kick return touchdowns by a single player in a single season was held by Bryant's Gene Constant, who's an all-time great returner in this league, two-time first-team all-conference returner as a junior. He led the nation 39.1-yard uh, average kick returning, finished second with three kick touchdown returns. But the three scores that constant had stood as the league single season record that is until Wadley came around this year and equaled it with three of his own Wadley will have at least we don't know about maybe an FCS playoff game but at least two more chances to take the top spot all for himself in both the nation and the NEC record books as he's one more kick return touchdown away Merrimack plays central this week and Duquesne next week to close out their season now it's the penultimate week of NEC football action. This week we have three head-to-head -head conference matchups taking place, including one that may possibly decide the NEC championship and the automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. The top three teams in the NEC standings are all hosting games this week, so let's check out what's coming up on tap. All three game, all three teams in the standings, the top three teams in the standings are hosting, and they're all playing at noon, starting in New York. Staten Island versus Long Island. It's Wagner and LIU noon on NEC front row and SNY. Wagner was knocked out of the title race due to their loss to Duquesne on Saturday. But now they must be thinking, hey, if we're going, let's take our interstate rivals with us. They could take LIU out of the picture if they could beat the Sharks on Saturday. The Sharks with two NEC losses can still clinch a share of the title if they win out. And Duquesne loses out, but this is the time of year that LIU starts to get things going. They won their final four games last year. They've won now two in a row on the road, each by a single point against Central and St. Francis this year. So can they keep their streak going and have that momentum to finish out the season? Wagner and LIU have split the last two meetings. Each team has won at home. LIU at home in 2021, 28 to 14. And Wagner winning last year at their home, 37 to 26. And that was noteworthy because that win was the win that ended Wagner's long, long, long losing streak. It was their first win under head coach Thomas Ella. And we've seen what that win is springboarded Wagner to this season, a season that's kind of defying some of the preseason Prediction. So Wagner LIU gets things going noon Saturday. Again, NEC front row and SNY. Then in Massachusetts at noon on NEC front row, it's Central Connecticut State and Merrimack. Now the Warriors have dropped their last two in a row, one in conference to St. Francis and one out of conference to UMass. But they're still in contention for an FCS playoff bid. They need to win this week 
have Stonehill beat Duquesne, and then they beat Duquesne head-to-head at home next week. This game, if you like rushing, this is the place to be. The top two rushers in the NEC will be on display. Ty Edmonds Jr. for Merrimack has 1,100 yards. He leads Elijah Howard, who has 877 for the NEC rushing title with two weeks to go. Uh, Edmonds' lead is 223 yards going into this week. So Howard, going to need a big game. Going to need his defense to stop Edmonds on the other side if he's going to try and close the gap. These are the top two rushing teams in the league. Central number one, Merrimack number two. Another interesting matchup to watch besides the ground game is going to be in the trenches. Merrimack has the most sacks in the NEC with 21, but Central has an offensive line that's given up the fewest sacks in the league with nine. So something has to give in that matchup. Merrimack beat Central for the first time last year at a root field, 20-14. to 14. Pat Conroy had three touchdown receptions from Gavin McCusker to lead the Warriors to a win. And again, this is a game that Merrimack needs to have if they're going to stay in the championship picture. But the championship picture could be wrapped up noon on ESPN Plus, our wild card broadcast, the Stonehill Skyhawks and the Duquesne Dukes. Yep, it's in the Berg, on the bluff with the Yinzers. Duquesne playing for an outright NEC championship in a third FCS playoff appearance as a representative of the NEC. Everything can be theirs. All they have to do is beat Stonehill. And yeah, how, how I mean, I know the writers just got back from strike and everything, but I don't think the writers could have wrote this up any better because this is a Stonehill team that if you remember last year in their first ever NEC game, on national television, they upset the Duquesne Dukes. It was the Skyhawks' first ever conference game. It was nationally televised, and they won it 24-20. to Asher Karaha had a 50-yard touchdown pass to Jermaine Corbett early in the fourth quarter to put Stonehill ahead, and the Stonehill defense then had two interceptions. They forced a three and out to seal the win after that. So, again, interesting. Duquesne, I'm sure... They probably already had this game circled on their calendar to give Stonehill a receipt just because of what happened last year. But now throw in the fact that Duquesne can win the NEC championship on their home field, go to the FCS playoffs by doing it by going over Stonehill. Oh, they they, they have to be salivated getting ready for this opportunity on Saturday. The playmakers are on both sides. Darius Parentes, the touchdown leader, Asher Karaha has had a great year at quarterback. For Stonehill, the ground game, you have great one-two punches on both sides. Taj and Robinson running the ball for for Duquesne, and then Corbett and Camella running for for Stonehill. And Powell, Domercant, receiving the football. Strong defensive play on both sides. Don't discount the special teams in a game like this. Man, this one has all the makings. Can't wait to see what happens as Duquesne plays for the automatic FCS bid, tries to wrap up the NEC title for themselves when they host Stonehill. Noon, ESPN Plus, our NEC wildcard broadcast. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode. Can't wait for this weekend. Will the championship be wrapped up by the time we talk to you next week? Or will we be in another winner-take-all situation just like we were last year? Well, we'll be here to talk about it either way. Until then, everybody, enjoy the games. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.